You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret Wise, Sherry Brooks, Sheena Kamal, Matthew Quick, J.T. Ellison, Walt D. Williams, Brad Ford, Corey, Dr. O, Brandon Sanderson, Robin Mom, Ernest Klein, Jim Butcher, Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I am super excited to have uh, some of my favorite writers on the planet on the show with me today, Valerie Constantine and Lynn Constantine, who write together as Liv Constantine, have a brand new book out, and it's called The Stranger in the Mirror. And when you're hearing this, it's going to be release day for the book, and I'm super excited for you guys to read this. Uh, I've been a huge fan of the Constantine sisters since uh, their first book that they published, and I've been hooked ever since. And The Stranger in the Mirror is is an amazing read. Um, I have read the uh, the arc of it. I've listened to the audiobook uh, arc, which came out uh, and came to me from their publisher about a week ago, and it is phenomenal. This is a must-read for uh, your summer reading for sure. Uh, right now, I've got Valerie on the line with me to talk about it. Lynn might be popping in later. She's having uh, some technology issues, so uh, if you hear Lynn now. <laughs> okay, there we go. Lynn, Lynn and Valerie are with me. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you so much, Hank. Thank you for those kind and generous words. Really, really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here today. Well, uh, we we have done this a couple of times before, and uh, you know, I think I have gushed over your your books before, and uh, you know, just I look forward to this every summer getting to chat with you guys. But I I have a a question that I want to ask the two of you to get started today, and with the types of books that you write, um, these stories have to just take. A lot out of you with the, the attention to detail, um, the constant, uh, you know, redirection and misdirection that you're planning out for the readers so that when someone like me sits down with the book and you have, you know, just turning page after page and the, the story is just, you know, a breakneck is, is, is a good descriptor because I'm, I'm pulled from one direction to another but but effortlessly and seamlessly and it doesn't feel like um that that the author is you know intentionally playing games with me as the reader it, it's very organic um so what do you do as as a writer as a creative person to refill your creative tank when you're finished writing a book uh, are, are there certain things that you read do you not read on purpose for a while do you, what things do you do to so that when a new book project is beginning you are refreshed you are uh you know back ready to bring your a game again oh that's a great question that is a great question um and and really re- requires some thinking you know um, when you said, do you, do you not read? Um, I, and when you said that, I just realized that I, I don't, um, for, I, I don't read, I should say, I don't read the same kind of book. Sure. Uh, thrillers, you know, I go, um, 
I probably uh, default to uh, biographies, you know, historical biographies, and um, and and just sort of uh, general fiction. Um, and I'm and, and I'm and it's interesting because I'm just now realizing that that I don't uh, read psychological thrillers then, and I don't watch them. What about you, Lynn? Are you? Uh... I do watch them. Um... And, you know, it's it's interesting. I can read a psychological thriller as long as it isn't similar in plot to what we're, we're you know, happen to be working on at the time. But I do, um, especially I think we've all been binge watching a lot of different things. And there's so many great limited series out now. And I've always been drawn to crime drama and twisty types of things. So that's usually what I do. And then occasionally uh, watch comedy. And I love it when I do that. And I keep saying, why don't I do it more often? Because it's, you know, so healing. But my first go-to is usually the darker stuff. <laughs> Lynn, you said that you can, you can watch psychological thrillers. Um, does that mean that you don't necessarily read them? And, and what is, what's the difference in, in watching a story, um, you know, a movie or a TV show, as opposed to reading it? Did, how, how does that, how does that feel different to you? Um, I well, I mean, obviously, watching it is so much is, is a visual experience. Um, and I think, I mean, I will read them. I will read a psychological thriller when I'm writing one. But as I said, like I wouldn't write so Stranger in the Mirror deals with amnesia. I wouldn't read a book dealing with similar themes just out of the concern of you know not wanting to borrow from another book. Or, um, but I mean, I, I because I do think the culmination of what we read over the years, though, obviously comes through. In, and in everyone's work, not that you're, you know, you're influenced by it. Like when people will say, say, for instance, with Mrs. Parrish, they say, you know, it's a uh, talented Mr. Ripley, a female talented Mr. Ripley. Well, we certainly we didn't sit down and decide to do it that way. But I think that whether you're watching or reading, you absorb all of these different things. And I think for me, what's helpful sometimes, it's not that a, a specific plot point that but it's a way that maybe a plot is delivered or just a device that maybe is used that I can I think can be helpful and I think oh you know that's an interesting way to do it and and I can use that kind of of method in in our writing so not you know taking exactly what's happening so I I do find in some ways that it can be helpful as long again as long as it's nothing too similar to what we're working on when when there are so many tropes uh in in the thriller genre that uh that have been used um you know to to varying degrees uh, time and again um like like you said um the stranger in the mirror deals with amnesia uh, this is not the first book um to to have a character who's suffering from amnesia and you know all of the things that come with that but how just because something has been used before how do you find new ways to explore these these tropes or these ideas um what do you do to to uh say okay this has been used before but it's never been done this way what what do you do to start thinking about new ways to tell stories that is i think that is a consideration for every writer no matter what the genre is sure basically every story has been told as you said so in our case, one of the great advantages that I think we have is the collaboration, because it always uh, it makes something so much easier if you have someone to talk to 
about it, to yeah. uh, throw ideas uh, off of each other. In fact, I was just reading uh, a study about the brain uh, and talking about how the, the, the brain now, our brains are so overloaded and we have so much to remember and that we need to use outside things to sort of, uh, it, you know, make our memories better and make our thinking better. And one of them, there were four ideas and one of them was talking to other people and, you know, co connecting with someone else's brain. And that's what Lynn and I get to do. So we can go back and forth with, well, all right, this has this has been done. Amnesia has been done. But how can how can we make it different? And that back and forth of ideas is so, so helpful. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say? Yeah, we all know, we joke that, you know, our, we are, actually have one brain now between the two of us because a lot of times <laughs> we'll just say the same thing and it's a little bit, it's great and scary at the same time. Um, and I think another difference is that we really try to in inhabit our characters' minds and motivations. And so I think that if, if we're showing this something that maybe have been done before, but it's unique to, because we're showing it how it's experienced by our characters. So, you know, even though we obviously want it to be pacey and twisty and page turning, we are always endeavoring to be as true to character as possible and to really think about the way in which our characters would react and respond and why they act that way and what, you know, what happened in their past. So we spend a lot of time in the, at the onset just, you know, really talking about that and developing them. And I think that that makes a difference as well in differentiating the, you know, whatever, if it's a trope into something else. And, um, and this back and forth between Valerie and me also helps us to take a twist and hopefully make it something that's very surprising, but yet at the end people say, ah, oh, okay, you know, I could see that all along. So that, that's a, an iterative process that we go back and forth. And I think Sometimes it might take us a month of talking before we really come upon the right twist. Well, you know, what about this? What about this? And, and but when we hit it, we both look at each other and we know that that's what it is. And that's how we start all of our books. Looking for a tool to help you visualize your story before the drafting begins? PlotPins is cloud-based and optimized for any device. There's nothing to download. From the new writer who isn't sure how to tell their story to the veteran who can increase their productivity dramatically, we've had experienced writers lay out a detailed structure for several novels in a series in a matter of a few days. The app takes you through four steps of the process, the concept or logline. Make sure you have a solid concept that you can keep coming back to throughout the process. The outline, 12 beats and three acts, each has a description of what should be happening with examples. The board, 40 cards. We take the 12 beats and add sub-beats to those, breaking it down even further and being very specific about what should go into each. These also have examples and descriptions. Right. We take those 40 cards and turn them into a to-do list. For a 50,000-word book, it's about two cards per chapter, roughly. We have a beautiful editor built into the app. You can export your manuscript to a PDF anytime with the click of a button. Let PlotPins help you visualize your writing project. Use code HANK10 to get 10% off PlotPins. PlotPins.com Authors, I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. 
Pub site is a service to help you build your very own website, your home on the web, where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website. Developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates, PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20, or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning, professional-looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting. And we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-Site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web. Now, um, Addison, the the uh, the main character that we meet, um, is uh, is a woman who has no recollection of her past. Um, when you when you first start thinking about this story and and you know working through all of uh, the trajectory of the story, um, it, is Addison the first character that comes to mind, or do you do you think of other characters um, first and then she comes in? How, how does that? How does your your cast of characters build? Mm-hmm. I think she did start with Addison, didn't we, Valerie? But I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it is her, it is her story. Even though you you do hear different perspectives, and it's interesting. This was the, also the the first book that we've written together where we had a male perspective, and also where we have a third point of view, which is um, the mother of Addison's fiance. And that right. was interesting too to take you know to take that approach where you've got a person who is directly affected by the main character. Um, and give and have her storyline be a part, and we really enjoyed Blythe a lot. I think she was she became really one of our favorite characters. Mm-hmm. So yeah. right, I, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, we definitely began with Addison, and she was the one who inspired all of the re- research that we did, and we did do a lot of research on amnesia before we even wrote the first word of the story. Uh, you know, we we, yeah. we both had our 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 books to read and uh, papers that we read, and that was a lot of the discussion. Just the uh, different aspects of amnesia and memory, and uh, all, all of the um, issues surrounding that, and and that's how Addison was formed. Yeah. Wow. When when you're coming up with characters for your book, um, how do how do you settle on character names, and is there ever a um, a situation where a character's name or or how you refer to them 
in the book uh, has any deeper meaning that that maybe readers don't pick up on. Hmm. Sometimes, yes. I um. I mean, we have names that that have a meaning. Um. I think I don't know if we can say on this one without giving it away because I think. Right. Right. Uh, right. The one right. of them. Had, yeah. One of them had a, had a meaning. Um, <laughs> yes. And um, but that was a, a devious times, question. I know. Right. Right. Exactly. Trying to. And I think in the White Stalker too, one one had a name that that we. Uh, yeah. Which you, I won't ask you to remember it, Lynn. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here yeah. racking my brain. Right, Thanks. Right, right. <laughs> it was a last name, but the, yeah. That's fun. Picking the names is fun, but it can be uh, a little bit daunting. You know, one of us might choose a name, and the other one says, "Well, no, I have a really good friend with that name, and I don't want to name a, a, ba- a bad character after that, or somebody that we're related to." Or, um, it, but it seems that once we, once we, one of us says a name, and the other one says yes, it's almost eerie how. You just know you the name comes out of one of our mouths and and all of a sudden it's like yes that's the name i i can't explain that why that why one would resonate and others wouldn't right we even had a few instances i think where we started with a name and then maybe a few chapters in one of us will say no i'm just do you really like that name and the other one will say no actually no i don't so then we'll (laughs) change it we'll rename that well, one you, good way to choose a name is um, when you go to like a graduation or, you, you know, and, the, and everyone's listed on the program. It's a great way to uh, come up to to go through a lot of different names that maybe you have, wouldn't even have thought of. So for, yeah, for yeah. writers out there, keep your graduation. I think the don't you think the last names are harder? I mean, the first name because yeah. you can just mm-hmm. Google the baby name. But it's the last names that are a little bit more difficult. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That that is a great idea about keeping those uh, graduation programs and things because um, I mean that's that's also going to tell you what uh, what was popular you know almost twenty years ago what what kind of right. name people were thinking about and mm-hmm. then that lets you know about your 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 reading population is is probably the parents of these kids that that's a great that is a great tip I'm uh, I'm thinking of upcoming graduations that I can steal some. Uh, right. Programs, right? <laughs> um, you you mentioned Addison's uh, mother-in-law uh, a minute ago, and uh, you know Addison is engaged uh, to Gabriel, as as we learn in the in the beginning of the book. Um, and one subtext of the book is this idea of of marriage and and family and becoming a part of of something else. Um, you know, it's one thing to, to have amnesia and not know any of your past. Uh, it's another thing to join a family that does have history. And then that family in turn, you know, accepting you in, and then, you know, a new thing is created when you, when you bring people into a family. Um, you know, I, I know you guys are, are, uh, both have children, and um, and, and I'm, I'm not sure if your children are married yet, or if you've been through this uh, this process of you know adding new people to your family. We did uh, just last year. Our oldest daughter got married, and and we have our first grandchild now. And and it, there's there's a lot of emotion uh, wrapped up in adding people to your family, and it's a it, it's something that you don't think about very much, but it's a uh, it, 
it's a very interesting thing to go through. Mm. That's very true. Uh, Lynn's children aren't married yet. Mine are. And I have to say, I have uh, all sons. And so, you know, before marriage, before they were in college or whatever, I would think, gosh, I hope maybe they'll maybe they'll all meet orphans and then (laughs) and and they'll all be just close to our family. But uh, and then, you know, I I came to see my my boys are with terrific women who are very close to their families. And that that idea that they already have that feeling of family is important and I want to be close to my family makes them close to our family as well. So that that's a a bonus that we got, you know, right, and, right. And, and I think this is what Blythe, the uh, mother-in-law for a prospective mother-in-law is concerned about what, you know, we're a close family. Uh, what What is this going to do? This person who, doesn't know her family what is what's her story what maybe uh, she wasn't maybe there are bad things that happened between her and her family what would what's that going to do when she comes into our family how how does that change our family dynamics and uh, the the closeness that we have um so she and she became a very sympathetic character i think yeah, even you know despite her worries and her concerns she still had empathy and some sympathy for uh, for Addison, uh, but she still wanted to protect her family. Right, right. When when you're talking uh, about a story where there's a wedding and um, you have this couple that's getting together, uh, we talk a lot in books about love and destiny and these people were meant to be together and and these are fun things to uh you know to explore uh, in fiction but when someone has amnesia what does that mean for for destiny and for these these kind of high and lofty goals that that we like to to think that that we could have um, you know that we're destined to love someone, and we're 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 destined to make a family together. Well, well what does that mean when you have amnesia? And uh, was this something that that you were thinking about and and wanted to explore in in this story? Hmm. I'm not sure if it was really destiny so much um, as the idea of how much of who you are is because of what you remember. And it's interesting that a lot in the research, a lot of people that have this this t- total retrograde amnesia where everything is wiped out become different people. So, you know, you could have a person who maybe wasn't the nicest person before becomes more compassionate or nice or, you know, or, or I suppose even vice versa. So um, we, are, you know, we tend to think of ourselves and we are, I believe, comprised of, of what our memories and our experiences that make us who we are. So I think there's, but there's maybe is also just a separate part of us that is there and that can thrive or survive despite memories not being there. So I think that was one of the things that we played around with, as well as in terms of destiny too, I suppose, we, again, without giving too much away, if you are if you suddenly remember and then are you obligated to the people that were in your life before you forgot, you know, and especially if now that you do remember, but if what if you're different now and you don't feel the same way? So there just are a lot of complexities um, that come along with that. Would, would you, what did you think about anything about destiny, Valerie? Because I didn't. 
No, I don't think that I did. Um, I, I think that we perhaps wanted the reader to think about destiny uh, in terms of, you know, what, what was her former life? Was she married? Uh, right. She was, was that the love of her life? That, that sort of thing. But I don't think that we, that, that wasn't one of the things that, that we were focused on as, as a takeaway. I, I don't think, and I don't think that it is. What yeah, was I it about? More, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on you. I was just going to say, I think, you know, resilience was is one of the main themes, really, that we mm-hmm. were trying to, and that, I mean, not that we start off with a theme, but I feel like a resilience is a theme that emerged as we, as we wrote this character and, and kind of went with her, struggled with her and, and her, everything that she had to go through before the end of the book. Mm-hmm. I agree. What was it about amnesia uh, that 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 made you want to explore this? I mean, I mean, it's a it's a a, a fantastic thing to uh, a, a tool to use. But what was it specifically? Was it uh, um, mm-hmm. was this something that you guys had talked about a, a lot and just you know found the right story to tell that in, or or mm-hmm. what was it that got you thinking about amnesia? You know, we. Um, when when we start to talk about an idea for a book, we we start we take from a big pool of different ideas. So it might be uh, a type of character that we want to begin with and and talk about a possible story built around that character, or a, like an everyday event, or a subject that we're both fascinated by. And that was amnesia for us. And I think that the idea of of number one being able to do a lot of reading about that and and more in-depth study of a subject that fascinated both of us and then to have that be the center piece of the book was was just something that really appealed to both of us wouldn't you say lynn definitely i mean we had already written a whole nother book that we were you know we go through three or four rounds of editing before we even hand it off and so we had written the first draft and we we knew that it wasn't really where it needed to be and we weren't excited about going back so we that's we decided to start over and we were talking we actually happened to be away we were at the Sharjah book festival was four years ago and we were sitting there one night and talking okay if we don't go back and we don't redo the story what what would what could we get excited about and we started saying, well, what if there was this woman and, you know, she couldn't remember anything and then talk, went back and forth as we do. And and that's how the story was born. So we just felt extremely energized and excited. And we came home and started with our research and wrote the book. Do you think it's possible to to truly have a new future when you don't understand your past, when when you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the um, uh, my wife and I do. Um, a little bit of genealogy, and her father especially was a huge genealogy guy, and and passed down a lot of the work that he had done to to my wife, and uh, and then I've done some family history stuff, and it's interesting, it's intriguing to find out about your family, um, and you know, but but when you get to a generation or two before you, it it doesn't have a lot of bearing on daily life. Um, I mean, it's interesting to, to find your connections to things, but then when you're talking about your own self and if you don't remember the previous 20 years of your life, um, can you truly build a, a solid future when you don't understand 
yourself. I mean, that, that was an interesting, um, you know, dynamic to explore in this book. Well, one thing I, I think that is interesting is that none that we are, this came out in the research and both Valerie and I were amazed and, and, and kind of dismayed at the same time. What, what they discovered is that you can go back three, four or five generations. And if there was trauma in your line, even if you never heard the story about it, didn't know them, didn't experience it, it is in your genes. So they did an experiment with mice where they had um, like a couple generations before that they put them through some sort of a trauma. And, and I think they paired it with some kind of a noise or some kind of a signal. And then two generations later, mice that had nothing to do with that, when they heard the noise, reacted and were afraid and upset. So probably all of us are operating and behaving in some fashion because of things that happen to, with our ancestors that we, have, that we know nothing about. And so, you know, I think that's one part of the puzzle that probably, you know, we, is, is the reason why people struggle with different things. And again, it's very concerning if you have somebody who's gone through a war or, you know, had terrible things happen to them. And then two or three generations later, that is embedded in the genetic material of their grandchildren and great-grandchildren. So I think you can, yes, you can have a future because we don't know about that. And if you don't know anything more about your recent past, I guess, I, I think you would just have to take time. I mean, in, in five, 10, 15 years time, you will accumulate some sort of a history. So I think it's much harder, but I definitely think the human um, nature is again, resilient and people find a way to survive and thrive in even the worst circumstances. Wow. So if, if I'm a, uh... If I'm a poor parent, not only am I screwing up my kid's life, but maybe generations down the road, well, yes. that's, not, that's yes. no pressure at no all. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, no pressure at all. But I know. Yeah. But by the same token, you can sort of blame your, you know, great, great grandfather for passing along or grandmother, I guess. Yeah, it, it's 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 really sobering to think about that. That is heavy. That is heavy. Mm -hmm. uh, Valerie, what, what do you think? Uh, you know, can you... Can you truly build a future if you don't understand where you come from? Well, I wouldn't want to, uh, since I have not suffered from amnesia, and, I'm, and I wouldn't want to um, imply, you know, say, oh, no, you can't. And there might be plenty of people out there who've ha who are amnesia um, victims, or and I shouldn't say victim, but um, have had amnesia who um, might say, I, I lead a perfectly wonderful life. But I do think. Uh, you mentioned genealogy, and I think our history and knowing it is is so important and adds such another dimension to our lives, uh, knowing where our ancestors came from, knowing what our what you know even what country you know we're Greek, we have grandparents who came from Greece, and we have this connection that we feel. So I think there are a lot of those kinds of connections that you wouldn't feel, obviously, if you if you didn't know them. And I think that they do make a big difference in our lives and how we live them and and just a sense of who we are. And that's a very important thing to, to know. You know, who, who am I? Where do I come from? And I would assume, as someone who doesn't have, never had amnesia, that that might be a very difficult thing to live without. Sure, sure. One of the hallmarks of a Liv Constantine thriller 
uh, is the twist and uh, the way that you guys can completely misdirect the reader and and take me completely off guard when the when the story takes a turn and a twist that that I just don't expect. Um, we I think we all have read um, thrillers in the past where you could see the twist coming a mile away and just because you take the story in in a direction that seems opposite uh, or or uh, you know, not in line with where the reader is currently just because you you take a turn doesn't mean that you did it well um how do you start thinking about the twist that's going to come into the story or multiple twists and and how do you um keep from from you know just giving readers whiplash for no reason <laughs> <laughs> It's tricky. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, a lot of it, it depends. I mean, I think it's different with every book. So sometimes we use perspective point of view. Um, sometimes it's an unreliable narrator. Sometimes, again, it's a, it's a reliable narrator, but then it's a shift in point of view and you find something else out. And um, like for The Stranger in the Mirror, I guess we just tried to think about it's it's really being careful about how you present things so that you're presenting things in a honest and on a, in an authentic way however when you go after the twist when you go back and read it you can see what we've done there so we're just very careful about internal thoughts of characters and what is disclosed and what is held back um in order to you know make it appear one way when it's when it's actually another way so yeah, it, it it as I said, it it's different with every book, but we do always go back and try to make sure we're playing fair with the reader. And I now, think that they, and 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 I think that um, the twists come along. You know, the major twist we know from the beginning, but it's also an organic process as we're writing that the twists happen along the way. And something that we might not have discussed at the beginning. But uh, as we're writing, then the, it's an aha moment of, oh, well, let's have, what if this happens here? Um, so it's, um, it, it isn't all planned out from the very beginning. You know, it, it happens along the way. Um, I, I'm fascinated with, with people that co-write um, together. Uh, it, it's, it's enough of a job for me um, to, to set up. Um, my writing space where where I can share work from my desktop computer and my laptop if I'm if I'm out and about and and to make sure that I have the the newest version of whatever I'm working on. What is it like when when you're sharing writing duties between two people um, who I'm I'm assuming that you guys write in different locations most of the time and mm-hmm. um, and then come together uh, you know to to work together sometimes. But how do you manage the task? Of of sharing a document back and forth together, or are there any new tools that you guys have discovered that make your writing life easier? And just what are some of the logistical challenges that you deal with? Mm-hmm. Well, we always have to. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say we have to know, like the you know, renaming the files, and we get confused <laughs> on what version we're on, don't we? <laughs> yes, yeah, right. Yeah. What was the name of that last one? What is the newest yeah, one? Yeah. What's the most yeah. recent document? Uh, yeah, there really is not a, a lot techno- technologically that has has come along to make it easier. Wouldn't do you think, Lynn? 
Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, I use Scrivener, but the, but I don't use it well. I know just enough to sort of get it done. And so when we're doing it in Scrivener, Valerie and I go back and forth with Word documents and then I load everything into there, but it's actually now, and what's nice about Scrivener is you can move, it's easy to move chapters around, but it's actually gotten to the point now where we just work on Word documents. It's just easier. And we just, you know, that way, when Valerie's editing something, she'll save it as Val's, whatever the name is, Val edits, and she'll send it to me and track changes, and then I'll look at it, and that becomes an easier way back and forth, taking turns. And and then ultimately, whoever has it last, I guess, ends up putting the rest of any kind of edits in and saving it, and then sending it off where it needs to go. Yeah, the worst part, the worst thing is when we're working on a, a document together, editing, and editing... Yeah. It, editing is the most tedious thing in a collaboration um so much more so than writing by yourself so we're we're on um a call together you know we're on facetime and we each have the document and we might be because as lynn said she does she works in scrivener so we might be on different pages so if i say okay i'm on page 145 and look at the second paragraph and here's how it starts and lynn lynn says what what are you talking about i no, that's not. And then we realize, oh, we're on different pages. And that's when it becomes very, not only tedious, but it can become really annoying. Too. Yes. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, Lynn, you you, um, you made me think of something just say, uh, when you're talking about naming the files. Um, does does the title of the book come to you guys fairly early or is it one of those things that it reveals itself after the book is written um what's your stance on on titling a book i think it's happened both ways right valerie i think um like the wife stalker came really easily and i mean typically we don't keep our title so the last mrs Parrish was called middle game I'm glad they changed it to The Last Mrs. Parish. much better. Yeah. Um, the last time I saw you, <clears throat> we all had a hard time. And I think that title came out of a bunch of iterations back and forth. And again, after the book was written, The Wife Stalker, we knew from the beginning. And fortunately, HarperCollins liked that name, too. And so that kept, that kept. And the same thing with The Stranger in the Mirror. We kind of expected it to change because, you, you know, that's what we were used to. And they liked it. So we were like, OK. But I think we had that from the beginning. We I think we had that one from the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A Circle Dance, which was our very, very first book, was after it was written and we were having a drink celebrating. And that's how that Valerie thought of that one. But uh, yeah. So and then the one we're working on now, which we're not going to say the name yet, but that one we've had the name from the beginning. And we like it and we hope they keep it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, The Stranger in the Mirror is available everywhere now. When you're hearing this, you can go grab it in hardcover if you want to hold the paper in your hand uh, or Kindle edition if you prefer to read on your Kindle. Um, But my favorite way uh, to consume a new Live Constantine book is audiobook, and we're going to put a link there as well. Um, What do you guys think about the the audiobook production of this book? We're really excited to hear it because I think they've got three different voices um, for the characters. And it's always, it it just is always a new experience, I think, when hearing the book come to life through audiobook. So um, we're excited. But I I mean, we we know, we've heard samples, but we haven't 
We haven't heard the whole thing yet. No, we haven't heard uh, heard it yet. So. Oh, oh wow! I I actually finished listening to the audio book yesterday. Um, the whole thing. So I've I've got one up on you guys. How about that? Oh, I didn't even know it was out there. All right, I'm gonna call somebody. Harper Collins. uh, (laughs) Harper Collins sent me the the audio arc. Uh, just not quite a week ago, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Monday, okay. Monday of this week, I think. So three days ago. So I, I, uh, I, I binged it in in about a day and a half as I'm just working oh. around the house. Oh my uh, gosh! How does it sound? Oh, it's Why fantastic! It's uh, okay. uh, it's fantastic. The uh, the right. the different narrators uh, definitely add a layer to it that. Um, mm. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, oh go, my gosh! That's it. my. As soon as we hang up, I'm emailing. Say hey, can we get do that? that. Do that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've got links in the show notes of this episode where you can grab it, uh, like we said, in Kindle edition or hardcover or audiobook. Um, it's it's available everywhere now when you're hearing this. Um, Lynn and Valerie, thank you guys so much for coming back on the show. Um, where can people find you online if they want to connect with you and, and dig into all the great stuff that you're doing? Uh, LivConstantine.com is our website, and then we're on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and our handle on Instagram and Twitter is Liv Constantine too. And Facebook, I believe it's just Liv Constantine author. But those links are also on our website as well. Excellent. We'll put those in the show notes as well. Uh, Lynn and Valerie, thank you uh, so much for taking time to come back on the show. We're going to send everyone to pick up The Stranger in the Mirror. And I do hope that we'll connect again next summer for whatever uh, torture you're going to bring to us then. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank, <laughs> thank you so, so much. much. It's always, always a pleasure. pleasure. Yeah. Authors, if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be, look no farther than Pico's House. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical yet courteous. They also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing, or proofreading, Pico's House is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started.